enemy. They're keeping us alive now. You forget about that one. And you keep them coming in. You're doing well, son. Find us on the web at mbradio.us. I want to make it clear that the views expressed by our hosts are not considered the official stance of MBR views. Remember, this is all about having fun and enjoying the ride. Welcome to Gunslinger's Tavern. I'm Audrey McHugh. I'm a bisexual, open woman that served in the military. Brownwater Navy, shout out to my Airedales. One in three veterans experience military sexual trauma. Here we use whiskey for good and talk about all different events that affect veterans and how we can do better to make sure that no one has to release their burden of rape at these gates anymore and ensure that veterans' lives are advocated and lived for. Hey guys, Audrey McHugh here with Amazonian Warrior Foundation. We are slinging drinks and questions today at Gunslinger's Tavern. I am honored. Um, I want you guys to really realize that military sexual trauma, rapes in the military, sexual assaults, it's one in three, and it is a non-gender issue. So today I have the greatest pleasure of welcoming my fellow brother, my fellow warrior, uh, Kevin Cagle, who has been through a lot of the same things that I have been through. But I want you to understand this through a male perspective and understand that our male counterparts need just as much as attention to this issue, that this is not a woman's issue, okay, that this is an everybody's issue, and that they deserve to be recognized for their pain and their trauma, just like I do. And so, um, Kevin, I want to say thank you for, for coming on the show. Um, I appreciate you coming today. So before we get into that, <laughs> uh, what made you join the military? Um, for, for me, it was, uh, you know, uh, the patriotic thing. I, you have to understand, I'm 58 years old, and I joined the Army in 1983. And, you know, um, you know, it was right after the Vietnam War, and most of the young men that I, were, I was friends with, you know, we all had the same desire to serve, really, at the end of the day, to serve our country. That's what, what brought me there. Right. So what was your favorite tune when you joined the military? Like, what was the song that you were listening to? And you're like, for, cause like for me, like, you know, the Navy came out with like Godsmack, right? Like for these commercials. So was it like one of the, you know, commercials or just like the recruiter songs got you or were you listening to something else? Like, what were you jamming out to? <laughs> I you know I'm a Southern boy, so it was mostly classic rock, probably Freebird. <laughs> All honest. right, hey, I love Freebird. Do you play any musical instruments? I'm sorry. Do you play any musical instruments? Uh, I can make I can play some chords on a guitar to kind of entertain myself but that's about it <laughs> all right all right when what about your singing capabilities i might be starting a band you never know <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> definitely not that's not my gig <laughs> all right all right i'll count you out all right <laughs> all right 
So we both met each other as being speakers for a military sexual trauma conference. Um, I know your story. And so your story is not for me to tell, right? So I'd like for you to share whatever you're comfortable with about your experience. Um, and then I really kind of want you to, ex to explain to the viewers how you're treated by women that have gone through the same thing. Because I think there's really a double standard that I kind of want to demolish at this point, right? Because I feel like this happened to you, this happened to me. And then I feel like, well, people are like, well, it happens to women more. Actually, it doesn't. It actually is a higher rate for men, especially in combat settings, than it is for women. Women just speak out more often and men just tend to die with the shame. So I kind of want to kind of want to just like let the the viewers hear what you're comfortable talking about, um, how it's affected you, and then how you're treated like a second class citizen yet all over again in the MST community. Um, so first the first question, um, you know, I I joined the army, like I said, when I was 17 years old. Um uh, honestly I, I grew up in a pretty conservative home and I was pretty naive uh, to say the least. Uh, I been had very little exposure to the world, if you will. Um, right. I, my, you know, in the beginning it was awesome. I mean, I thought basic training and, you know, infantry school and jump school and all that stuff. I went into the second airborne uh, mm -hmm. infantry and I, you know, I was in good shape and I, you know, I did well. It was, uh, the only thing that sucked about it was the lack of sleep. Everything else was a joke in my opinion. Right. You were good to go. Yeah. So um you know, I got to my unit shortly after all the training in uh, October and we <laughs> believe it or not deployed like two and a half, three weeks later to the island of Granada. And I was actually part of that um invasion. Um so here I am, an eighteen year old um badass if you will um you know I would I, I would, so. I, I would, yeah combat infantry badge of you know i'm an airborne um infantry soldier and um life is pretty good you know i decided to <laughs> I, I was going to make a career out of the yeah. army so and um shortly after i got to my unit i ran into um sergeant first class uh patrick and um, if, if you've ever seen the movie, The Green Berets with John Wayne, spitting image. I mean, you know, little dumpy overweight, got the cigarette hanging out the, you know, side the mouth. Um, but he was like a, a hero um, to, to all of us young soldiers. And um, he printed um, all of the, you know, 17, 18 year old um, soldiers that were in mortar platoon and my platoon. And, I, I don't know. In hindsight, obviously, I think that was pretty strange, you know. Right. And, it sounds like he was grooming you guys. Yeah. And, you know, I hesitate to use that word in the environment that we're in, but that's exactly what was going on. I know that. Well, as you see it, Kevin, right? Let's just call it for what it is. It's called grooming. <laughs> yeah. um, but, um, you know, we, I'd never done any kind of drugs. You know, I had done a little drinking and he introduced me to marijuana and then cocaine and you know, this is, as you know, this is totally not okay. He's, he's right. seven. 
2022. And uh, this is not but okay. Just, just that, I guess people maybe don't understand is you guys aren't even supposed to hang out. Like you guys aren't even supposed to talk with each other outside of in duty hours. So um, just that alone is a violation of him as a superior. So sure. like this is really showing this is grooming, right? I'm going to um, kind of get you addicted to these things. And then I'm going to lead you down a road where there's no return because I'm your leadership at this point. And I'm going to make you be submersive to me, um, submissive in, in a sense. So, yeah. That's it. Um, you know, it, it's taken me a lot of years to to admit that that's what it happened to me because that obviously means that I was vulnerable. Um, but I was just a kid. I really was. And anyway, long story short, you know, I, I literally woke up with him in my bed and uh, he was, you know, touching me in places and putting my hand on his and places and basically I thought it was just a dream in the beginning but um he started talking to me and telling me you know hey Kegel it's okay for two men to take care of each other I think is what he said and you know then he you know tries to take it a little further and introduce oral sex and that's when I I knew what was happening was wrong like I said I was really naive you know yeah I just know and I, so I my world from that day forward was just turned upside down uh, in so many ways. Um, not only did I not could not even comprehend what it had just happened, um, I was you know he immediately got the rest of the guys that he hung out with who were my friends to turn against me because um, he he just knew that I was going to report the incident and. I knew that. I mean, I knew there was no way. I was so absolutely freaking ashamed. There was no way I was going to tell somebody about what had happened. Um, but I did go to my company commander and uh, try to terminate my jump status, um, which so you kind uh, of get away from the situation, which makes perfect sense. But and I, you know, he denied it, and um, you know, so there I am, you know, constantly getting harassed, and you know, um, I, I literally slept in my room with a chair underneath the doorknob wedged in, and I had a, a sawed-off shotgun that I purchased, and I I slept with that shotgun because it was a different army back then. We dealt with things. Um, I don't know that it ever came from the chain of command, but when th when things were when they decided that they wanted you gone, you were going and right. peacefully or <laughs> not so peacefully, and um, that's what I was facing. Um, so I chose to go AWOL, and um, I had no idea how how much you know. I, I I literally thought that I was an absolute rarity, and there's no way that this happened. To anybody other than me, mm -hmm. that's how how convinced I was, and and that's why I'm not surprised when I I told my barber a while back um, my story, and he said, "Wow, I had no idea that that was a a thing." Right. And that kind of response from so, uh, so many men, uh, mm -hmm. especially the ones that have never served in the military, and yep. it's so 
crazy for me to now know the truth and how prevalent it actually is. Yeah. Disgusting. It is. And I, I guess what I feel most annoyed at, um, like before women were even allowed in service, right? Military sexual trauma and rapes were happening. And, um, it does that such a high rate for men, um, especially for those that don't report and in combat and people are just more likely to be like, Oh, well, that's just a woman's issue. And it really, truly, truly isn't. And I'm just grateful that you're able to speak about it at all. I am so sorry that that happened to you. Um, I can relate, you know, and I think what sucks is that I can relate, <laughs> you know, um, I literally could say to my brother, like, I can relate. Um, you know, I was raped 10 times and they tried to kill me. And, you know, what people don't understand is like, you literally had a gun to protect your life. And like me, they literally tried to kill. And then we have people that literally were killed for, for yeah. experiencing oh, this. And absolutely. or yeah, people, the people that have done it themselves, right. Done it themselves, which I feel like you've killed them. Right. Um, even if we've taken it in our own hand, it's that trauma from them that those crimes from them that made that person do that. Um, and then, you know, the command kind of just brushes it off like it's nothing. Um, so what's been your experience in our MST community um, as a male warrior speaking about this? Uh, I, you are the first person that's ever at, like asked me that question uh, about the female veterans. Um, I've, I've thought about it, obviously, because I, I, I'm, it's still baffling to me that right. uh, that I have been, I have totally. Uh, I think your question was basically, how do you feel about being rejected by female veterans? Right. And and I, I have, I absolutely, I've lived it, and I'm like, I. I, I get it, man. There's so much division in this country. It's insane. But it, we, if veterans can't stick together, man, what the hell is going on? Right. And I have seen it. I have totally been shunned by female MST survivors. Um, yeah. I don't, and I don't, you know, I, I understand like the last MST conference I went to, it was even more prevalent. There's so many female survivors that are that just absolutely hate men that when you get right down to it um, right past conference it was even more vocal from a couple of the females there and and i'm i'm good with that man I, you know i don't i don't agree with that um right. you know holding a whole sex of the population accountable for the actions of a few because I'm yeah. not that guy, you know, but right. uh, I get it. I mean, I'm, I, I respect them. Yeah, well, I guess I don't respect them. Right. Um, and so like for then it's just me. Right. So for me, I understand and recognize their pain, their trauma. I understand where they are in their healing process. They're not healed, no matter how far they say they are, because um, 
if you were a healed person, you would recognize that your brother is in just as much pain as you are. And you would open, you know, you would have open arms to that person because they experienced the same, the same thing that you did, the same pain and suffering that you have occurred. They have too, and they deserve to be recognized because so many of us have been silent and so many of us don't have a voice. And so the rejection of you, while I understand, like I have, you know, veterans that say to me that are warriors that are very early into this and disclosing, they're like, I right now, I can't have a um, group therapy session with any males right now. Right. And I explained to them like, I understand that. I respect that. But understand that our brothers are suffering just like we are. And they actually kill themselves so much. We don't even know their story half the time. Right? Like, yeah. I went to a funeral. Yeah, I went to a funeral for a Marine. Party of men. Yeah. I went to, yeah, exactly. I went to a funeral for a Marine. And he had killed himself. And I was one of three people that knew that the reason why he had killed himself is because he had been raped in the military. Everyone else assumed that it was because of combat, right? And so I couldn't say anything to anyone because he wouldn't have wanted me to tell, right? So it's just like, there's so many people that are suffering and why would we attack our group? Um, when we're all going through the same thing. So to me, they're not healed. And, you know, their hatred for men is an indication that they need a lot of healing. And I'm not going to sit here and hate Marines for the rest of my life or hate sailors for the rest of my life because they raped me. They gang raped me, right? Like, I'm not going to hate men because some men perpetrated crimes against me. Um, that means I'm healed, <laughs> You know, and so for me, I recognize that and I see that these people are vibrating at a very lower energy than me. And I can't I can't deal with them. Um, I can't allow them in my circle. But I also will stand up and speak out whether they like it or not um, about their discrimination of my brother. Right. Because to me, that is discrimination. And you want this same kind of accountability you want the same validation but you invalidate somebody else's story based on their gender and that's to me totally unacceptable when we know military sexual trauma is one in three so you know you can't come out here and just have the stats and just pretend like it's just a woman's issue when it's an all of us issue so i just want to say that you're not alone right and i recognize how much harder i feel it is to be a man um, as an MST survivor, like as a warrior, because, you know, I automatically, people automatically be like, I'm so sorry that happened to you. Right. But for you, I feel like you're questioned more. I feel like that you're, you're attacked, right. You're, you're like questioned more about, well, how did that happen? Um, yeah. And then, you know, and then you're attacked by your own. And it's disgusting to me. So I just want to say personally from the bottom of my heart that um, I'm sorry that happened to you and that you have a sister that validates you, um, validates your story, understands you. And literally, I appreciate you like I truly do. And I feel like that you speaking about this 
it's like, you know, people go into my story and they're like, they're dumbfounded, right? It's bad. Um, yeah. It's, it's horrible, but I just feel like you need extra courage, right? <laughs> like, I feel like I'm perfectly fine. And I feel like I, I need to protect you or even just like put out there that this is, this is horrible. We cannot do this in our own community. Like it's been bad enough. We're killing ourselves. We have the highest rate of suicide. We kill ourselves more than combat veterans. Like how, could you, right? How can you do this? Again, I've heard that statistic that, yeah. you know, these survivors yeah. are more likely to commit suicide. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, especially combat male veterans. Uh, yeah. It's just, it's, it's bad. And a lot of people don't understand, like, going UA is a normal response. Um, a lot of the times you would get threatened and say, I'm going to make sure that you're the point guy now. And so maybe people don't understand what that means. It means you're the first guy in the door, or they're going to put you in the most dangerous position where you're likely to get killed because they've now raped you. And so, like, it's... um it's like a whole nother level of torture, um, of, of abuse. And it's, it's really horrible. So you speak about this publicly, just like I do. Um, how did your experience with MST change your outlook of the military? And, um, what do you, what do you kind of like do now? So oddly enough, I don't know. I was going to say oddly enough. I, uh, I think I've heard you say this. I never stopped loving the military. I, yes. I, I, yeah. I, 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 first of all, I blame myself. I, I you know, about what happened uh, for many years. I, I blame myself. I, and know, we know that's not true, right? <laughs> We're at that point where it's not I, yours to carry. Yeah, I mean, that, that's the bottom line I mean, at the end of the day. Uh, yeah, I, and what was the second part of that? I said, so, you know, one, how can we empower other people to speak up? And then, like, what are you doing now? Like, you've yeah. empowered yourself enough. Um, I feel like our brothers and sisters need to get into this fight, um, you know, or at least tell their spouse or tell their family what happened. But yeah. what are you doing now? Well, I I realized that I had to do something with this. I had to. If I was going to survive, um, there was no question. So I really didn't know what that looked like in the beginning. Um, but you're right. I mean, you said something about telling your spouse. Um, you know, I, I've just completed my sixth divorce, and um, I most with most of those relationships, um, this one, the last one excluded, I didn't tell them what happened. To me. And uh, there was obviously issues um, physically and everything, emotionally and everything else. And I just, you know, I had I essentially had to be intoxicated to be um, affectionate and our sex type yeah. of And um, so that was obviously a problem. Um, so I have decided I, it is an absolute miracle that I'm standing here talking to you. Um, I tried to overdose more than once. Um, I would, you know, my, my normal day, um, you know, seven, eight years ago was getting up and grabbing a bottle of uh, vodka, chasing it with beer, uh, smoking whatever I had, 
taking whatever pills I could get my hands on and, you know, basically cursing God and, you know, begging him not to let me wake up in the morning and I'd get up and do it all over it again. Mm-hmm. Um, was that on active duty? You did that? Cause I know I drank like a fifth of Elzer Brooks for like almost a year straight every day to kind of numb the pain. Or is that more when you transitioned out? That, that was, so you have to understand, I, when I, um, once I kind of got over what had happened, mm-hmm. my mission in life was to re-enlist into the army. I, because you have to understand for, at least for me, I believe that for most men, it's about honor. You know, right. if you end up having to go AWOL and you're considered a deserter and all this, this label, um, my life was all about being able to re-enlist. And um, so I got a college degree, I got into law enforcement, and then I basically went before a board of colonels to ask um, for a waiver so I could re-enlist, and they gave it to me, mm-hmm. and then I couldn't pass the hearing test. Oh. I wasn't able to. So it was like getting just destroyed all over again because you have to understand that's that's all I ever wanted to do with my life. I mean, I wanted to be a professional soldier, period. And that so once I got to the point that I knew that was never going to happen is when the depression just really kicked in. Right. I can relate. Right. Like when I um, lost my EOD contract because of my injury, like my whole life was planned to just be a EOD diver, right? Like I had trained before I joined the military and all I was going to do was just dive and stay in there for 20 years, right? There was no, there was no other plan for me, you know, like in second grade, I was like, well, I wanted to be a veterinarian and the president, but you know what? I heard JFK's speech and I saw his boat and I was like, I'm doing that, right? Like just done deal for me. Like it's second grade. Right, I know he got a lot of us, right? And so, you know, I mean, I was just like, that was it. And then when I got injured, and they were like, This is um, it's not curable, right? And then I'm just like, Can I ever dive again? And you know, especially with vertigo, like I can only go to a certain depth, Uh, even the ringing that I have in my ears and stuff when I dive. I can only go to a few feet, um, a certain, and then I'm risking it. Right. And so I, I do it, but there's a certain depth that I can't ever go. Um, and so, you know, having this nerve disorder changed my life and every single way. And then I get raped and it's just like, I'm supposed to be here for 20 years. Like what, like what the fuck is going on right now? Like, what do you mean now? Like, I was like, what else is there supposed like, what, what else does the Navy have? Like, I was like, I don't, I don't even know what you guys like, you know? So, I mean, at least eventually I got into boats and I got to be in a squadron and then I got to go to an amphib unit to, to drive those boats. And then I got too good at my job. And then I had to go teach like 700 um, officers before they joined the fleet had to come to, to my school um, in order to command a ship. So like, I loved being out on the water that made it feel a little bit better, but it wasn't the original reason why I joined. Right. I was, I was joining to dive and blow shit up. Like, um, I, I'm not playing, man. Yo, I'm not lying. Right. Like 
I learned how to make hydrochloric acid um, bombs like before I joined in and like practiced and then dived. And I was just, I was all ready. Like I'm, I'm trying to let you know, like, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to detonate this. You know, this one time I did it in a lake, you know, and uh, it went boom, right. It was so fucking loud. I did three, um, uh, maybe I'm not going to go into details about uh, whatever. Maybe you should. The fire department showed up because it was so big and the water like spilled it out. I did a great job. Uh, but you know, I don't want to give people the uh recipe to do this. So, but I was good. I was good, right? Like my family's all all navy and military, right? So I was just like, I was like, these motherfuckers gonna die. Like they go, like, I'm a I'm gonna blow the shit up at these motherfuckers. And I get to save people, right? Like I get to disarm bombs. So I can relate, like. You were, you literally got to jump out of planes. Like people don't understand, like I skydive, right? And so, hey, Travis, um, like, you know, people don't understand like how awesome of a job that is. And then when I was in maritime prepositioning forces, you know, I'm one of two females and I'm in an amphibious unit where uh, I'm not really welcome, right? Because it's combat unit. Um but some of my brothers loved me, right? And so I'm getting to do stuff that women don't get to do, right, at all in the military. And so, like, you're doing something that not that many people actually do. Not that many people are, you know, lead the way. <laughs> not that many people, you know? And that um, beginning, or supposed to have been just the beginning. I, you know, I, I had no intentions of staying in the 82nd Airborne, you know? Uh, <laughs> I, what, I know my plans were, you know, special forces and maybe yeah. even and all that. And, right. you know, SF, right? Killed, and so that's different. To, follow, um, to lose that dream. It's such a hard, a hard one to recover, especially when you didn't do it to yourself, right? right? Like but, my, my injury, you know, I broke my foot in different spots. I went to medical. <laughs> They wouldn't give me an x-ray and then I developed a nerve disorder that's not curable because of medical neglect, right? I don't get to go, you know, to certain projects or whatever because I'm being raped and I refuse to comply to them. So they take away projects from me. And you have the same thing where you are set on doing something and then you get sexually assaulted and your whole like mental mind frame, it, it's blown apart. It's blown apart. So. Yeah, it it sucks because that person gets to keep keeps going further in their career, and your career is devastated by their crimes. And after oh, uh, he ETS, no, a long long time ago, and yeah, much, you know? <laughs> right, like it was no no thing to him. And meanwhile, like it's affected you. So I know you. I, I know you're like me. You still love the military. You want it. You just want to get it fixed. So. What are your current endeavors in life now in regards to helping other warriors that have experienced the same things that you have and, and I have in the military? So what are you, what are you up to, Kevin? <laughs> so I founded a nonprofit this year um, with the help Puzzle of a and down shame. Yeah. So let's, let's pull up your logo and then um, maybe talk about it a little bit. So um, I basically, for for me as a male MST survivor, shame is the bottom line. 
Um, that's what destroys um, men like me. Um, so that's where the name comes from. Um, so ultimately, the organization plans to advocate for men like me, but we are going to provide services. We, we've written our mission statement in a way that we can provide services for any veteran and, and even civilians um, that have uh, experienced trauma. But what we're doing, um, I, I've, I've been a volunteer for Warrior Wellness Program in Holiday, Florida for the last seven years. And they utilize accelerated resolution therapy as their primary meat and potatoes, if you will. And they've had um, Dr. Kevin Kipp um, from USF in Tampa documenting the results for the last seven years. And the results are amazing. I'm living proof. Um, I did one session of ART and I had the, uh, the same reoccurring nightmare over and over again. It actually came from an experience in law enforcement, not in the military. Um, but after one session, I never had that dream again. And that's huge. I mean, it's, I mean, it was, it was miserable. It was one of those dreams where, you know, you just didn't want to go back to sleep. You get your ass out of the bed, go slam a few beers and just hope and pray that when you do go back to sleep, you won't have it again. It was just horrible, but it's right. gone. And literally it just vanished. So I'm a firm believer in the therapy. Um, so we have been given, when I say we stand down, shame has been given the everything we need to duplicate Warrior Wellness's program. And all we're going to do instead of they do like um, visits to the um, owl farm or the horse farm or they go teach. We're going to teach people how to farm. They're going to, you know, they're the veterans and their spouses and even in, uh, the, their children if they want to come. Because at the end of the day, uh, if, if the spouse doesn't get therapy, it, it, you're dead in the water. Um, so our program is going to be a week-long um, farmer's boot camp that will incorporate uh, accelerated resolution therapy. Uh, free awesome. of charge for the veterans, the housing. You'll, you'll literally be eating the food that you process on the farm. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that there's a lot of programs actually for for veterans to actually get into farming um, for to be funded by the agricultural department. They'll give you grants. And so I kind of feel like yours will be a stepping stone. And I hope that it encourages. I love to farm. Um, some of my families were farmers and um, it's a very hard job and we literally need more people to do it. And so I feel like one, your program is going to be very healing, and I think it might bring people into a career path where we actually need it. So I'm going to put up your logo. Um, here it is. It's called Following Seas Farm and Sustainable Ethical Agricultural Stewards. So you guys are, we want to explain a little bit um, about that kind of farming and what that means um, to the retreat as well. Well, I'm probably not the greatest person to explain this, but the biggest thing about following Seas Farms, you know, yeah, absolutely. We're 100% organic, you know, we're self-sustaining, but it's it's called rotational grazing. 
So we have, right now we only have six cows. We've got a couple more coming. Um, so our cows, our pigs, our goats, our sheep, um, even our chickens get rota uh, rotational grazing. So what I mean by that is we literally have these um, portable electric fences, if you will. They're solar powered, battery um, operated, solar or uh, electric fences that are just on a, a spool and every single day all of those different animals get moved well not, not the pigs and the goats because they can eat on whatever right. but the, yeah. cow, the cows get moved every single day um to a new uh, uh parcel of a pasture and that not only that they but they have this buffet of like 18 minerals and that they can eat from you know and, and it's amazing how they know exactly what to eat they literally right. could have been you know it could be copper it could be magnesium it could, who knows but they do <laughs> what they need and we're basically we all of our cattle was bought grain fed and you know had been given vaccinations but from the time they hit this farm they will never receive any more vaccinations and they will eat grass um like they were meant to eat and um so we're a very productive farm already and um our chair board is one of the owners of the of the farm she's about to retire from the coast guard 20 something years and once that happens and the other her husband is going to sell his business and we're gonna we're gonna be taking off and um it's going to be a pretty successful farm i'm sure of it so and it's it's man i tell you what when i when i come from uh, i live in homosessa florida when i come here to the farm and i start eating the food from here, you feel better. Remarkable, how much better. I mean, we've got we got all kinds of mushrooms growing all over. The, I mean, it's almost a hundred acres, and they got the lion's mane. They got all kinds of mushrooms growing. So, I mean, and these things are like we have like twenty something um, beehives. So we've got tons and tons of honey. You know, it's 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 an amazing way to live. I mean, I feel a hundred percent better when I'm here. Yeah, I feel like that's the way we're supposed to eat, right? We're not supposed to eat this processed food. And a lot of veterans, we hold a trauma in our bodies, and we all have like, you know, I have an autoimmune disease, right? And so eating organic and taking bad things out of my diet really helps with my fatigue level. And um, I feel like, you know, a lot of veterans don't have access to that at all because it's expensive. But I feel like your program, as it grows and veterans get to come there, I feel like it's something that will really be able to supply uh, more than just just, you know, week long um, veterans. For me, like I do food disparity. So I have people donate organic vegetables. I make zucchini bread with chocolate chips and I take them to unhoused veterans, usually like in big cities. So when I go up to Philly, when you see me traveling there, I'm also feeding homeless veterans. So I can just with people donating a small amount, like loaves, I can feed 
with maybe six loaves and I cut them all up, I can feed a hundred veterans in one day. Um, and these are unhoused veterans that are not coming out, right? They're, they're, they're staying, they're staying homeless. Um, and until they want help, there is no other thing that I could do besides provide them food and um, things to make their shelter better, right? So I feel like you are going to have this amazing ability and explosion to help feed um, people. And that just doesn't happen anymore, right? Like we're all stuck on uh, processed food, which just isn't good for us <laughs> at all whatsoever. Um so do you have any um, events coming up? Where can people get information and, you know, your, about your cause and kind of discover more of your story? Okay. Um, I want to add real quick before I answer that, um, you know, we're going a lot further than uh, what I've said. We're, we plan on having interns that live on the property, working on the farm. If, if a veteran sh shows up here and he's broken, or she's broken and just needs a place to be. If they're willing to feed chickens and feed goats, man, they got a place to live and a place to eat. That's that's what we're hoping to eventually um, uh, do here. Um, as far as events, um, like I said, we're new. Um, so it's all about raising money first. And um, we decided to choose Veterans Day, um, uh, Saturday, November the 11th. At 7:30 in the morning, we're going to start serving breakfast here on the farm, and we're inviting everybody to come and join us. Um, where it's going to be uh, sausage from a hog that we processed uh, um, last week, um, our eggs, and we're going to make some um, pancakes and probably some fried potatoes or something, and uh, <laughs> serve and serve and. Then we're gonna throw down some, I think he says some chicken enchiladas or something for lunch. So um, we're gonna, my mom, <laughs> my mom's my biggest supporter. She quilted, hand quilted four quilts that are gonna be raffled off. And we got um, a lot of meat um, from some really good places, uh, not and ours as well. Um, that will be raffled off. We have We have a lot of really cool gifts. And um, I've already heard from the local sheriff, he's coming, and I've, I've had a lot of good response from the local people here. To, uh, and we're basically introducing ourselves to the community because that's what we're, we're going to be doing is building community. We want to get along with everybody. We want to let them know that we're here just to serve. And uh, so that's what um, our event is going to be about uh, in November. And then by early spring, once things start happening around the farm and it's not freezing cold, we're going <laughs> to hopefully have our first uh, farmer's week camp. Awesome. Well, I'm going to I'm going to put up the flyer here so people can see it's Stand Down Shame Veterans Dame uh, Farm to Table Kickoff. And it's the breakfast benefit. And so it benefits the farm. It's at 1111 on Veterans Day from 0730 to 1030. And so you could buy, you have to get tickets. And so that's standdownshame.org, or you can email standdownshame at gmail.com. Um, so it sounds really, really good. I don't live anywhere 
we're nearby, but I mean, I, you know, can you send me a plate? Um, <laughs> you know, that's, uh, that's what it kind of seems. I mean, I don't need any sausage, but everything else looks pretty delicious. I'm very excited because, you know, I, I have pop-up campers for homeless veterans. Um, and so I feel like eventually, like if I know a veteran in South Carolina, um, maybe like in a year, year and a half, I'm going to be able to send someone your way. And I think that's, that's going to be an amazing full circle um, because, you know, I got to meet you in an event where we're both publicly speaking about our pain from the military. And we both have nonprofits that are doing good for our veteran community. And so I don't know, I'm really excited for you, honestly, and I'm very proud of you um, for continuing to go forward and speaking your truth, but also like, you're not just speaking your truth, right? Like you're not after this to like make a name for yourself and become famous and, and any of that stuff. You're saying I'm putting my pain out here because I want other people to be validated and I want to help them in their recovery from, from healing from that. So cheers to you for that one. Truly. I, I honestly, it's all, all about service to me. I, I, I am happiest. Um, I have the most joy in my life when I'm serving. And I, I wish, I think that's the case for pretty much everybody. And if people would just start figuring that out, we wouldn't have the problems we have. So, <laughs> yeah, I hope so. I hope they start figuring it out because, man, I'm out here working hard. <laughs> and I'm just like, you know, for, for me, um, I what I was talking to you earlier is that you know, the Veteran Service Act, uh, Veteran Recognition Act is what I was all day on the Hill today um, at both houses and, uh, you know, advocating for veterans that have been wrongly deported that were citizens or supposed to get promised citizenship and were here on a green card and they served and then they got a traffic violation or they had effects of their PTSD just like so many of us, like they got into alcohol or whatever. And because of that, they got deported. And um, the only way they get to come back home is in a box and they're dead. And so like they have no access to healthcare where we have veterans court, right? If I was going to get in trouble or something, I at least would have that opportunity and they don't have that at all. And what I'm coming into is like someone trying to make it an immigration issue, but literally they're here legally. Like, so there, there's no immigration about it and it should be a nonpartisan issue, right? It, there shouldn't be any like, you know, issues of whether it's a Democrat or Republican, like this should be like, we're going to take care of our veterans and so many of them are dying. And these are guys like, I mean, like purple hearts, you know, and they're literally supposed to have a review of their military history before they're deported and ICE isn't doing that. They're just deporting them. And so it's just like, we have to do better because we're killing each other. It's a death sentence for that. And all they want to do is stay here and be American. And like, they literally have spilt their blood for this country. And I'm like battling and saying, this is common sense. We need to unite in this issue. And this is not a Democratic issue. This is not a Republican issue. This is a veteran issue. And it affects all of us because nobody wants anyone to die. 
like not after we've been through so much we just don't want those kind of things so i kind of really agree with what you're saying like where it's just like we need to come together at this point like it's um you know like it's a no-brainer um apparently to just just veterans <laughs> like well, I, I think we all have a lot more in common than they want us to believe. I just right. think they're just I, trying their best to keep us divided. That's all it is. And it's they do benefit from that. They do. They truly do benefit from us being divided and them being able to do whatever they want afterwards, which is just shameful. Shameful. I, I love everybody. I'm just going to put it out here right now. I love everybody. And I hate no one, and I, I I just can't comprehend how we've gotten to this point. This I know. Well, the only thing that we could do is keep making a difference, right? And um, keep making impactful changes, one person at a time, no matter how big, no, you know, small, you know, us just going forward together. And I really feel like that veterans are answering the call right now and um, we're all doing it in different ways you know i'm doing it politically and also in my nonprofit for for advocating and and homelessness and board sports and you're doing it in farming and um that's still a way for us to win the fight right so every single person that we change their life and they come out of darkness is definitely just a blessing i mean and so I'm just, I'm honored that um, you took the time to come on here today and, and talk with me. So is there anything, you know, go Navy, beat Army. Um, is there anything that you want to add, um, you know, to, um, to this or where people can reach out for your website or anything that you want to add? We're standdownshame.org. Um, we're on Facebook, of course, as well. And Instagram and all that stuff. Honestly, if I could ask one thing, it really boils down to this uh, awareness. Uh, if if you if people don't understand that it how bad the problem is that men do get raped in the military, if they don't even realize that, they're certainly not going to have the ability to have a conversation to try to figure out how to fix it. Um, so that's all I ask, you know, um, if, you know, share, share our organization, um, share my Facebook page, whatever, you know, awareness. Um, I will speak to anyone. I am not afraid. I don't care how many people, who they are. I will stand there and tell them my story and what I think needs to happen. So if you've got a, a, um, a platform or if you've got somewhere that you think that I would be a good fit to speak. I'm there. Right. Awesome. Well, we do have uh, NBR, Military Broadcast Radio, which is what I'm on. Um, so maybe, maybe, uh, maybe you come join over here and, and do some podcast. Uh, and, uh, you know, it to me, I never care about who's, you know, how many viewers I get. Like, that's just not my, my jam. Um, but I think that advocating and speaking about these things are very, very important. And I've had so many people just like randomly DM me and say, Hey, that happened to me. I'm a Korean war veteran. Hey, that happened to me in Vietnam. And I'm like, okay, let's go file a claim. That's right. The overwhelming part of it is 
like I and I, I I really didn't fully realize what I was signing up for when I made this yeah. decision. And you start yeah. stories, you know, and I've yeah. and you know, I the sad part is I've heard them all before and it's sickening. It's absolutely yeah. sickening. It's it's all I won't say it's a daily occasion, but at least once a week somebody reaches out to me and shares their story. Right. And I mean, at least they're at least they're doing that, like at least they're telling someone. Um, So you've made it to be where you're accessible for that. Sometimes it's a lot to take in, Um, but it's important for us to keep doing it. Um, I usually just take it in, see if I can help them. And I kind of just like I have a boxing. (laughs) I have a boxing bag over here because it um, it hurts me. Right. Especially when somebody says. I'm 19 and I just got raped and I'm like, first, I have to go into mode of, okay, one, do you want to report this, gather your evidence? Um, What can I do to help you? How can I get you mentally right? That kind of thing. But then it's like I was raped at 19. Right. Like that's when it first started. And it's just like, how the fuck is this still happening? How is this 30,000 personnel? each and every year. Um, And, you know, uh, we've gotten some changes, but we literally have to go on the Hill and beg, like beg for them to do legislative changes when they know this is happening and they know that we are literally killing ourselves at alarming, alarming rates. And that when you're raped, you have a 50, 50 chance of killing yourself. And so it's like, are you guys actually trying to help us or are you okay with us dying? And if so, are you a perpetrator? Right. Like that's just where I've gotten to it with it. Like if you're not willing to come out here and fix this, how are you connected to the bad guys? (laughs) Like, I mean, how are you on the other side of this? Because morally we all know it's wrong. It's horrendous. And it's such a huge impact. Like, there are days where I've gone without showers because I was so triggered. I could not take a shower. Like I just, I couldn't, I couldn't bear to have water touch my skin. Um, and there's so many of us that have gained weight or lost weight. Um, so there's just so many layers of being raped that comes with this. Like, there there's it's just not like oh okay you're raped or like somebody okay i got my leg blown off right now i'm gonna have prosthetic like there's so much and then we all get chronic diseases of some kind so or pain right because our body just didn't know how to respond to that kind of nervous response and so you know our system's been overloaded and they're not even taking care of that right like they're like my body before all of that happened to me was pristine Right. And it's not there anymore. So it's like I want my whole self, whole self. And I want my brothers and sisters to have their whole self as well. Like it's just um, it's happening. People need to recognize and covering it up isn't going to help fix it. I love my military. You love the military. We just desperately want it fixed. Like that degree right there. That's all about risk mitigation. Right. So like. I'm literally trained to mitigate these issues. And I'm saying, no, I will never eliminate rape from the military. But I can certainly train people on what they do afterwards, how it happens, 
red flag behaviors so they that we know that we're 80% likely to get into domestic violence. So now I can help you mitigate so I can try to prevent that happening to you. But if it does happen, how to get out, right? Um, and then recognizing like, we just have to do better in the military. And when people do these kind of crimes, they have to be removed, not the people that this happened to, because we're killing the military from within. We're making people that wanted to stay in the military for their whole entire lives leave. And then you're promoting the bad guy who's getting, or her, right? Who's getting, you know, the accolades and they get to keep doing it. And that's where it's not okay. And the military really taught me, the Navy really, really taught me accountability. And when I see a problem, to fix it head on, right? That when you have honor, courage, commitment, like the courage to speak up when something's not right and the commitment to see it through. Like that was in my head constantly, the commitment to see it through. And so this is not a bashing on the military and saying, I see the issues, guys. I have lived it. Let's fix it, right? Let's make sure that this doesn't happen as much. And when it does, we mitigate it faster so I can get somebody back to stay on active duty. So they don't lose their military career because of what somebody else did to them. Like, let's get them back into the fight. So, I mean, that's where I feel like board sport therapy and art therapy and those kind of things help and they need to be brought on base um so we can tackle it because running from it and pretending like it's not happening is just making more of our brothers and sisters die and um you can't say you want to represent the military and you keep allowing that that like that's just horrendous leadership and um i have leadership right and the military taught me that and so i'm saying as this trained leader that you made me to be let's go after it Let's not run from it. I'm not here to bash you, but I am here to fix it. I am absolutely here to fix it. And I feel like you're on the same page. <laughs> it's a shame, honestly, though, that so many uh, veterans don't want to accept that this is a problem. Because right. it, it's a, they're ashamed of it. They don't, they, I've literally had, you know, veterans like, with like a lot of medals and combat veteran and you know served as special forces basically tell me that he didn't want to hear it because he didn't want to believe that his his army is is that bad and uh, he basically scolded me for bad mouthing the 82nd airborne i'm like man I, i'm just telling you what happened to me in my experience you can right. whatever you want Right. And, and that's a way to invalidate ourselves. Right. Like, and that's even more hurtful. <laughs> like, like, so what's crazy to me is like, you know, when I knew that I was going to get into this, I went and took a polygraph. Right. To, because there's so many people that say this doesn't happen in the military. Rapes don't happen in the military. So I'm like, okay. Bet. <laughs> right. So I went to like, um, one of the top polygraphs that was used for the CIA to interrogate terrorists, right? So I went, and then I went to another one that does over 30,000 um, for for cases for the military, right? He polygraphs, uh, you know, he's the prosecutor. So I went to the best, right? I, I was like, let y'all say that these motherfuckers aren't good enough, right? And they can't, 
they can. They are the best in the field. And I did that intentionally. And right. so I literally sat down and, and made myself take a polygraph to say, yes, I've been raped in the military. Yes, I've been sexually assaulted. Yes, I'm in excruciating pain from a nerve disorder, from an injury. Because when you look at me, you can't see that I'm in pain until you spend enough time with me. And then you realize like I could, I could barely walk sometimes. Um, but that's my own personal, you know, journey. But I did that because when somebody says to me, they were in the military and I asked them, did you rape anyone in the military? And they're like, no. And I'm like, well, I was raped in the military. What's the difference between me asking you that question and you wanting to be believed about no versus me saying yes. And and then I show them my polygraph and they're like, were you forced to take this? No. Yes. Right. And they're like, what do you mean? And I'm like, because there are trolls and you guys that don't believe us that after everything we've been fucking through, that we've yeah. all killed ourselves multiple times over this, you then treat us again like we're the criminal. Yeah. Like, how I've can you? Like, how can you with that? Every time I have to go and sit down in front of a perfect stranger and tell my entire life story, I, I'm put on trial. And it's a shame, you know? Keep we're happy. put on trial, right? Like, we're put on trial for what other people did to us. We have to prove that they did it to us. It's just like... It's insane to me, people's response. And, you know, they've been conditioned into this because of society. Um, yeah. And that's not what a true society is supposed to operate at, and be like. But, like, I'm literally, I'm proud that I went to a polygraph, right? Because I could post it whenever I want. And when somebody tries to troll and say, you know, to other women, like, or men, that this doesn't happen, I can put a polygraph up, right? But, I mean, that's an extreme, like, that's a bit. I think it's a great response, honestly. But not everybody's gonna go do do what Audrey McHugh did. Like that's how I feel. So, but yeah, Kevin, I just want to say thanks for coming on. Um, I salute you. Like I'm in, <clears throat> I'm in the same boat as you. And right. I just want more people to realize that men are raped in the military. It's one in three, and that um, men have the shame of just never speaking about it like women are more likely to speak about it and we are just we got to do better you know almost twelve thousand a year veterans are killing themselves from military sexual trauma and that's too high that's just too high and the numbers are probably greater than what we have you know what we've been told and uh, a lot of people are just killing themselves and people are like, oh, well, I guess it was a hard deployment. Not really understanding like, no, he was raped during deployment, raped during deployment and then tortured and then survived all of that and just couldn't get out of that trauma loop. And that's why we lost our brother. And please validate and recognize us, recognize us, because this is. It's not going anywhere until people start realizing them saying like, well, I didn't see that in the military. Well, good for you. <laughs> but I'm telling you, we did. And so understand that. Validate it. It's important. It's important for us to be heard. And that's really all we're asking. I'm not, you know, not yet anyway, right? Like, um, there's no amount of money that can make me whole from that ever, right? Like, 
I will, I remember it every day, every day. It doesn't go away for me and I'm able to talk about it and I'm grateful for that. But like, there's certain songs that play and I remember that song after being raped, like the third time, right? That song. And I literally have the visuals of a pillow being placed over my head or a crutches rammed up my vagina and being sodomized for hours and then just blood and shower right i hear that song and i listen to it every day on on purpose so that i can just validate myself and just remember like you made it through so much because of this song and even though that you're having these memories they're now memories instead of flashbacks right so that's improvement for me but what happened to me will never leave me ever, ever. And um, I'm just grateful that I can talk about it. And I'm grateful that you can talk about it because so many of us can't. They just can't. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks, Kevin. Thanks for coming on. And um, I just want people to remember stand down shame is um is kevin's nonprofit. i know we ended super heavy guys but um that's just the way it is you know and uh thanks for coming and um we're gonna close it down now if you guys need help we're here uh amazonian warrior foundation is always here for veterans that are suicidal homeless or facing um any veteran issues with the va that need advocation you're not getting an appointment, um, you need a congressional inquiry, please reach out to us and we will never leave you alone ever again in the darkness. You have a brother and sister community that is willing to help you in any single way. Please check out Kevin, uh, Kevin's website and uh, he's going to do some amazing things. So if you know a veteran that maybe needs a little healing, that needs to go to a farm, we got one. <laughs> so uh, definitely check it out. His event is uh, November 11th, and you can buy tickets on his website. And it sounds like it's going to be an amazing event. So, um, yeah. So we're going to play our thing, and we're going to close it out, guys. So thanks for thanks for checking in. Bye. That's the show for today, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with an all-new show. And remember, you can listen to us again and again. The podcast of this radio show is available right after we go off the air tonight, anywhere that you can get your podcast episodes. And thanks for joining us today. I'd like to take a moment to talk about something close to my heart. Military Broadcast Radio has been doing incredible work to support our veterans and bring their voices to the world. They rely on your generous donations and your dedicated volunteer hours to make it happen. I encourage you to consider supporting NBR in any way, form that you can. Use this QR code that's attached to the picture, or you can go to our website at mbradio.us. That's mikebravoradio.us. To learn more about how you can donate or volunteer even just an hour a week from your home, help make a difference in the lives of our veterans. Because once again, we're all here for you and not for us. We're giving a veterans a voice.